Warning. This show may be unsuitable for young fillies, colts, and foals due to strong language prevalent in literally every episode, and some mild sexual innuendo. We will also touch on themes of racial relations, political climate, and other sensitive subjects, but we will let you know when those things come up. Pony, welcome to Equestria Gaze, a My Little Pony rewatch podcast. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Equestria Gaze. I'm Anya, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on Twitter at aka Anya. I'm joined by my partner in life, love, and drinking on a Monday, August. Hi, I'm August. I use they, them pronouns, and you can find me on Twitter at Harpydora. So each week we'll saddle in to rewatch an episode of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic to break apart what exactly the show is trying to say, the good, the bad, and the downright problematic. We figured it's 2020 and everything is happening so much, so why not watch some cartoons? Me personally, I had not seen My Little Pony until this year, uh, and so it's kind of weird that I hadn't because I was a horse girl growing up, but you know, things happen and uh, now I'm watching it. Yep. And I got into Friendship is Magic when it first came out. I witnessed the genesis of the Brony fandom and eventually fell off the cart around season four, which is to say that this ain't my first rodeo. And today we're going to be discussing season one, episode six, Boast Busters, which is the hardest fucking title to say. Um, This episode opens with Twilight Sparkle testing a Rogaine spell on Spike to give him a mustache. Later, they run into two local unicorns, Snips and Snails, who tell them about a new powerful unicorn in town, the great and powerful Trixie. Twilight and Spike go to investigate and find a boastful unicorn putting on a show. Rarity, Rainbow Dash, and Applejack express disgust about Trixie's boasting, which makes Twilight uncomfortable about her own magic talent. The others try to put Trixie in her place with their own unique talents, but are outdone. Twilight, still uncomfortable showing off, refuses to get involved. That is, until Snips and Snails awaken in Ursa to witness Trixie's magic firsthand. Trixie admits she was lying about having defeated an Ursa major, and Twilight comes in to save the day. Twilight apologizes to her friends for showing off, but the rest of the ponies tell her her magic is a part of who she is. Trixie, on the other hand, has learned nothing and skips town in a dramatic puff of smoke. So... We always start off with our message to Phillies, Colts, and Foals, and that's what we think that the episode was directly trying to sh- say to children, its target audience, not 20 and 30-somethings. Hmm. Uh, this is fine. So do you want to go for- first, or do you want me to go first? 
Uh, I can go first. Okay. So what's your message? I think the overall message outside of like what Twilight explicitly says in her letter to Celestia is that uh, lying and bragging can have dire consequences and it's okay to be proud of skills you have so long as you don't rub it in other ponies' faces. And I took the meaning as don't be a show-off, but also be careful what you say because people are always listening and you could be hurting someone's feelings without realizing it. So that's the sweet, nice takeaways. Uh, Now let's talk about the bridal meaning of the episode, uh, which is all the other stuff uh which i think begins with you making a fucking pun it sure does thanks yeah uh i'm always here to please uh so the very first thing that i wrote down in our notes document was spike mustache you a question great i'm glad we got that out of our system yes (sighs) and uh, it's also good to kind of have some confirmation about how unicorn magic works, just because, you know, Spike was talking about how most unicorns only have a little magic that's relevant to their talent. But because I'm kind of a lore junkie and because I loved the character of Dagna in Dragon Age, I really wish that there were room to explore how magic and unicorn talents really work because there's like there's this whole ass magic school in canterlot so you know clearly there are other unicorns that study magic like just on its own so yeah and i assume we'll talk about that more when we get to that episode but i'm wondering if like there's a reason twilight was taken under celestia's wing is like maybe the magic school is just supposed to be honing your specific brand of magic maybe Because, yeah, I'm not too sure. Like, it was nice to have them just flat out say that that's what's supposed to be happening, though, because there's been, like, several questions about it in my mind. It's like, well, how come Rarity's magic is only fashion and finding gems, but, like, Twilight can do everything under the sun from, like, teleporting to giving a dragon a mustache? (laughs) So, yeah, there's, there's definitely something going on there. Yeah. Um... The thing I noted is not actually about Twilight. Uh, It was about Trixie when they first stumble upon her um, and her bragging that, like, she's the most magical pony in all of Equestria. I think she's forgetting that God lives there. Like, (laughs) Celestia's magic, right? (laughs) Nah. Oh, okay, cool. Then I guess she is. Good job, Trixie. Yeah. Also... If you watch this episode, just get ready to hear people talk about themselves in the third person for the entire freaking episode. Yeah. So there's no easy transition into my next question, which is just like, how big is the Everfree Forest that Trixie supposedly sent an Ursa Major back into it from the town of Puffington? Like, is Puffington a neighbor of Ponyville? Uh, What the heck even is geography in Equestria? I'm not sure we ever hear of Puffington again, and that might be because it's, you know, shrouded in smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wait, that's a different episode. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. But also, I'm not sure we ever hear of Puffington again. So it may have been destroyed by a nurse of nature. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's 
possible. Although she could have also entirely made it up. Who knows? Yep. Um, I don't know that we ever learn much about Equestria and like anything other than Cloudsdale and Ponyville and the big city. What's the big city? Canterlot? Canterlot. And the Crystal City eventually. Yeah. There's Appaloosa. Uh, there's Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. So, well, like we hear about some other areas. We certainly never hear about Puffington again that I'm aware of. Yeah. Anyway, they're probably fine because Trixie's a liar. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so my next note is about when all of the ponies challenge Trixie. Like, I know she invites them to, like, show me something you can do that I can't do. But the whole time, all the other, like, um, Applejack and Rainbow Dash and Rarity... Well, mostly Applejack and Rainbow Dash are just like, I can do this better than you. And it's like, is them doing that, like not negating their whole point that like, she's boasting and that's gross. But like, we're also boasting. Yep. Yeah, it's, (laughs) I mean, it's a little muddled. Obviously, we're supposed to be on Applejack and Rarity and Rainbow Dash's side just because they're the protagonists but yeah they don't always make it easy (laughs) yeah like i feel like this one is mostly you're supposed to be on twilight side but even then like the whole ending we'll get to it sorry um yeah yeah until then we're on their side i guess yeah and like rainbow dashes boastful like prideful nature as often written off as like a kooky character trait and not like like a flaw it's more like when um twilight was having to think about the tickets and who she would give a ticket to and rainbow dash is the last one and she's like oh well i guess i get them and everyone looks at her like oh right yeah i guess i i'll relinquish mine too (laughs) and like that's like a gag and it's funny and it's not like a negative personality trait for her but for Trixie, it, it is negative. Yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of a reckoning later, I think. But yeah, for right now, it's not positioned in a particularly, I don't want to say poor light, but it's not something that the show or the narrative particularly holds against her right now. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like all of these horses, uh, ponies, have been told that they're special. And that's as opposed to, like, someone else who comes along and says, well, I'm special, too. And I'm more special than you, actually. Like, that person is the bad person. But then, like, all these special horses are the good people that you're rooting for. And sometimes I have trouble rooting for them. Yeah. Anyways. Back to my typical transition. Yep. Uh, So... I just have this noted because of who I am as a person, but Applejack is totally a high-dex, high-strength character with a low-whiz score. Are you calling her a herbo? I'm not not calling her a herbo. She's not as much of a herbo as her brother is a himbo. Yeah, yeah, Big Mac is, uh... You look up the uh, definition of a himbo in a pony dictionary, and there is a portrait of Big Mac right there. Hey, August. Huh? Is a pony dictionary a pictionary? Oh my god. Ha ha! 
I guess I deserve that. Probably, yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And uh yeah, I also made a uh, goofy note about rarity uh because Trixie turns her hair green and rarity's like not green hair. Green is not a creative color. Green is not a creative color. <laughs> also fucking rude, Rarity. Like, green hair's fine. It is. And uh, I have some kind of conflicting feelings about snips and snails, because they're obviously supposed to be kind of young teens, but their portrayal of boyhood is just kind of weird. Like, they're groupyism slash obsession with Trixie is kind of uncomfortable well and sorry go ahead I've I've been confused about them like the whole time because they're clearly like smaller in stature than the other adult horses which would apply their kids and then later in this series we see them in school with like the actual 10 year olds so how old are these children that they're like hanging out with the adults and like gallivanting around town in the daytime like we never see them with any adults so like until i realized they were in the younger kids class i just uh, thought they were adult ponies yeah it's super confusing and i think some of it may just be like because they started using them in one particular way and then they just needed uh some characters to fill the role of something else plot relevant in a later episode and they're just like well we already have these character models so we might as well yeah like don't have to think of a, a new thing yeah but i i'm gonna pay more attention when we go back to those episodes because i want to see if the the boys get smaller like like if they've made them look more like the other kids because mm -hmm. yeah they don't read as 10 year olds in this episode no. I mean, even in future episodes that they're in, I don't feel like they read as 10-year-olds. I I feel like they're young teens, like 13, 14. Yeah. So that's something to notice moving forward, for sure. Yeah. It's just, it, I don't know, it just feels really weird. I don't really know how to feel about snips and snails. I honestly don't like them. <laughs> like, they're mostly used as, like comic relief characters and they're just really dumb not their existence but like they as ponies are dumb uh and that's supposed to be their thing they're like dumb best friends mm -hmm. they kind of read as like ed ed and eddie but they're missing a third uh and i just yeah they're they're like the stoners who hang out outside the schoolhouse ah uh, yes the 10 year old stoners <laughs> <laughs> yep what are these horses yeah. Also, like, the way that Spike needles Twilight to get her to do stuff that she doesn't also want to do is not great. Because, and, and this is something that we see kind of consistently throughout the series. I think we've, we've talked about this sort of thing before. Uh, there's just a whole lot of people ignoring other people's boundaries. Like, Twilight says no multiple times. And Spike just keeps pushing. Yeah, and we see that in the next episode, too. It's it's almost like it's written in the show as, like, 
pushing your friends makes you a good friend because you're not willing to let them limit themselves. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, if your friend has a boundary, respect that boundary. And it's not really ever shown as that. That's like, it was shitty that we pushed you into doing something you were uncomfortable doing. Yeah. And I mean, there's an episode with Fluttershy much later on that gets into that a little bit, but it's still just very frustrating because I feel like especially with young girls and especially in the society that we have where boundaries get ignored a lot, I feel like it's more important to teach little girls that saying no is okay and that people should respect you saying no than it is to teach young girls that, like, you need to push yourself necessarily. Yeah. Because it's like, young girls are very vulnerable to abuse. Like, children in general are vulnerable to abuse, but young girls in particular are more vulnerable than most. And so it's just... I feel like that would have been a better lesson. Yeah, and we don't really ever see the show having the characters vocalize that. Like, at the end of this, Spike never says, like, gosh, Twilight, I'm sorry I, like, kept trying to push you into doing something you didn't want to do. And we never see the friends come back and be like, we're sorry that we made you feel like your existence was a problem. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's instead routed the direction of, like, oh, you just have to realize your potential and your value and it is your fault. Like, Mm -hmm. everything in this episode is Twilight's deal and no one else has any self-realization. Yeah, it's frustrating. But anyways, uh, (laughs) once again, the Netflix subtitles provide some really lovely captions, including Z-Z-Z-Zip. So... Definitely do yourself a favor, turn on the captions on this show. Uh, The captions are fairly good, fairly accurate. And hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, they caption the sound effects, and that is often quite entertaining. And normalize closed captions and subtitles, because they're good. Yes, and if you don't... There will be movies like the movie we were watching the other night that, like, you just couldn't turn on uh, closed captions. Like, there was no option to have that. And that's shitty. Yeah. And uh, in something completely different, why is Snails Canadian? Is he Canternadian, maybe? Canadarabian? Canadarabian? That last one is, like, what are you? <sighs> it was a stretch, I know. I'm sorry. Oh my god. I can't believe I had to read that with my own eyes. Yep. Canternadian. Yep. Is that just coming? I it reads as Minnesota to me, like the don't you know? But he goes A, which is stereotypically Canadian, although there's some overlap between like the Minnesotan type accent with stereotypical canadian accent i think because you know they share the border yeah probably but you know what even is equestrian geography anyway apparently canada well there's canada somewhere 
actually a good portion of the animation team is Canadian, so it's entirely possible that maybe it is in fact supposed to be a Canadian accent. Hmm. I did not realize that. Yeah, I just thought of that, so. And uh, with Twilight jumping in to save the day, we get yet another kind of uncomfortable moment because she completely ruins the town's uh, water supply and then goes straight into another really fucking uncomfortable cow milking scene. Like... Yeah, there's a lot there. I am so uncomfortable with how this show treats the cows. <laughs> Cow rights. It's it's so uncomfortable. Like, the cows are sentient speaking creatures who live in barns, presumably very similar to how cows in real life do. Twilight sends the the giant uh water tower thingy through the barn collecting the milk from the cows magically and then the cows just kind of make general noises of surprise as if this is just a normal thing that happens and i'm just like it's so much y'all it's so much also with how much milk was in that big container those cows are sucked dry <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is just, it's so much, like, I don't want to go into it on the podcast, but, like, I encourage our listeners to look up, like, how dairy cows are treated and specifically what steps need to be taken to ensure that the dairy cows produce milk. It, it It's so much, y'all. <laughs> On the opposite side of that statement, um, going back to the beginning of it, we had entirely different takeaways from the, like, the throwing away of the water, because yours is like, there goes the town water supply, and I'm just picturing, like, the town over getting flooded <laughs> by, like, a tsunami. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is fine, I guess. That water won't hurt anyone. It won't go anywhere. Yeah. I mean... This is mostly a reference for you and me, but the Ursa just needed a cookie and a nap, is what I took away from all of that, apparently. <laughs> it's time for us to switch, uh, and where I'm usually like the, like, I'm gonna point out all these bad things, <laughs> we're switching. Yeah, and I mean, like, that ultimately was a really cute solution to the problem, because it does go back to... The ways in which the show does present violence as a tool that the ponies can use, but it is, I think, almost always not the right tool. And the right tool to approach a problem is generally going to be the compassionate one, where you try to put yourself in the shoes of the other creature and realize that the creature may be reacting the way that it is because of unmet needs which is honestly the same for people too like a lot of the things that cause people to behave badly can be broken down to some sort of unmet need <laughs> oh boy you're taking me back to undergrad <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was a psychology um <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I, I definitely appreciate like the solution being that like, 
well, these two dumbasses just woke up the baby. Like, yeah, it's you don't have to fight it into submission or banish it. Like, just let it go about living its normal life. Yeah, exactly. And I I don't think this, I, I was thinking about this, but I didn't actually write it in, but I guess it goes okay here, is like, I want to know more about this world, because you have normal creatures mixing with, like, constellations mixing with dragons, and I, like, I don't know that we ever see anything, like, we see a lot of, like, um fantastical creatures like dragons and unicorns and stuff um but i don't think we ever see anything like this far out again as far as i'm aware with like a constellation bear yeah i mean you know we're like midway through season four and i don't think that we've seen anything else like this but you know the rest of the series could surprise us yeah it was just, it's a cool idea I hadn't seen before. And so. Yeah. Would like to see more of those kind of like, instead of just taking creatures that already exist in, in stories and lore, like creating something new, like a constellation bear. Yeah. So then I guess we get to uh, my big problem with this episode, which I'm sure has been evident in the way I've talked about it, but like. The way that Twilight's friends act is shitty. Uh, and like what I've written down is the implication that you can only embrace your talents and be proud of them if you're standing up for people is shitty. And you're allowed to be proud of things that you're good at just because you want to be. And like that's that's one thing that I, I feel like the end of this episode just didn't touch on. It's one of the things I mentioned before where they never come over to Twilight and be like, we're sorry we made you feel bad for existing. Yeah. It's... I mean, I guess they're trying to, to keep it relatively simple because that is kind of like a nuanced take on it in some ways. But yeah, I feel like the others apologizing to Twilight because of how their words affected her would definitely have been a good thing to have in there. Yeah, I think it's totally something kids can understand. Like, the idea that how you say something doesn't matter as much as how someone else uh, experienced what you were saying. And, like, you... Like, none of them were being... were pointing these comments at Twilight. They weren't telling her that she was a magical show-off and she shouldn't be proud of the, the list of things that she's done but the way that they said everything made her feel that and so instead of being excited about all of her magical accomplishments she went around not wanting to show anyone mm -hmm. <laughs> which kind of goes with your next point even though i know it's not about my point at all yeah but my final point is it's nice to see that some ponies learn absolutely nothing because it's painfully obvious that Trixie went through that entire experience and took away exactly zero lessons, did not learn a thing about introspection or self-awareness. It's okay, I'm sure we'll never see her again. Yeah, I'm sure it'll never <laughs> come up. Also, Snips and Snails are interesting in the ending, because, like, instead of, like... 
where they're like, we'll do whatever, we've earned whatever punishment you give us. And then Twilight's like, I'm going to reward you with a mustache. Like, that's not punishment. Yeah. Like, you're rewarding them for almost ruining the whole town. Yeah, I I suspect strongly that that particular choice was made to inject some levity into a situation that, like, the Ursa Minor is very definitely meant to be scary and that sequence like it's humorous but it's like it was still a kind of scary tense situation and so like having this little joke at the end to like act as a uh, punctuation to that particularly intense sequence is probably just meant to like break it up yeah well, and it could also be, like, a good little sliding in of Twilight's new confidence, because now she's, like, using her magic openly mm-hmm. and not hiding it. Yeah, that's a good read on it, too. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's kind of all we had to say about the episode, um, and each week we pick a main event that we want to take away. Um, sometimes it's just a small little thing. Sometimes it's like a large overarching thing. And I can go first if you want. Yeah. So I picked a more lighter thing because um, a lot of my stuff above was very, very hard on the like, why are y'all shitty friends? Why is everything so shitty? Why? Why? Um, so I just wanted to point out Applejack's use of sugar cube as a pet name is very endearing. And like, I hate pet names by anyone that I don't know specifically, but like for your friends and stuff, it's, it's a cute alternative to like the stupid babe and stuff that like men call you behind the cashier. Um, yeah. But also her little southern twang when she calls people sugar cube is adorable and I think uh Molly should call people sugar cube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean like it's definitely meant to go with her southern charm. I think it's meant to be a substitute for all of those uh random pet names that especially older southern women use like honey child you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. so uh my main event is not as sweet as that uh but it continues my trend of choosing uh silly gags uh (laughs) because trixie popping a smoke bomb and running away at the end is just it's a great touch i love the fact that she just runs away in a puff of smoke that is incredibly in character for her it's a great little gag and especially because like you can see the smoke clearing and you can see her running away because it's clearly meant to be like oh she teleported no no she did not yeah and that harkens back to like other media that's used that same Mm -hmm. like throw a smoke bomb and then you can see them running away thing yeah, uh, which I have zero example of, examples of off the top of my head because I know nothing about movies and media in general. See, my main touchstone for that kind of thing is fucking Naruto. So you know, it's not like I'm really any better. 
I hate that I can hear you saying mane as like a horse's mane and not. <laughs> and I know you're doing it. And I can hear it. <laughs> Who, on that me? note. Yeah, you. Yes. On that note, uh, we are going to end each week with a horse fact. This is a random piece of horse trivia that we found online that may or may not be true, but we're going to assume it's true because the internet would never lie. This week's horse fact is, horses experience REM, rapid eye movement, during sleep, which means they most likely dream. Aww. If you have any fun horse facts you want us to include on the show, send them to us on Twitter at EquestriaGaze and we'll give you a shout out. Until next time, stay cool, every pony, and remember, black lives matter, trans rights are human rights, and wear your fucking mask. Clip clop, clip clop, clip clop, clip clop. Oh my god. <laughs>